Thanks for listening to the 242 Young Adults Podcast with Pastor Justin Corkum. Our prayer is that this message will be an encouragement to your life in Christ. So tonight, Justin had called me and he said, Hey, um, what's your title? And I'm not really good at making titles. And as he called me, Ju- Judah and I were baking, getting ready for his birthday party. And so I said, it's called The Recipe for Effective Prayer because I had a recipe right in front of me. And so tonight we're actually going to talk about three things that, that cause our prayers to be effective. And I don't know where everybody's at. I know that there are some new faces here, and you may not have ever prayed before. And if you haven't, get ready. Take notes because you're going to leave knowing how to have an effective prayer life that is going to cause God's hand to move in your life and you're going to see results like never before. And so before we do, let's just open up in prayer and we're going to get right in, all right? Father God, I just thank you so much for who you are, Lord. God, you are almighty, and we have the privilege of coming into this place and worshiping together. God, that we could lift up your name and glorify you. God, I pray that tonight, everything that happens, um, that's already been happening in worship, how you've been moving, your spirit's been moving, As I pray that you would continue through the word and even afterwards, that God, every that goes on tonight would just resonate in our hearts and in our minds and that Lord it would be something that we ponder on through the rest of the week father I pray your word would just rest on every heart that's here that God um, our ears would be attentive and that we would hear your word as it goes forth we love you so much and we just ask you these things now in Jesus name amen and so as I started reading we're going to be in James I don't know if I've got to do anything. Okay, so we're going to be in James tonight, James 5. And um, Justin had asked me um, if I could speak on prayer. So we're in a series right now where we're talking about everything for the sake of one. That's basically our year. Our motto as a young adults group is we need to do everything for the sake of one. And you might halfway through ask yourself this question, how does this have to do with it? But I promise you that if you stick with me until the end, you're going to know why. And so as I was, I was reading this passage, and it's a passage that I've read dozens and dozens of times. I love the book of James. And so it wasn't something new to me at all. But for some reason, I was stuck. I felt like I had no idea where I wanted to go with this message. I had no idea the, the path that I wanted to take. And I was, um, I was listening to a friend of mine, and she said one word. She said righteous. And for some reason, something just clicked within me, and I was like, I need to go back and read this again. And so that, just that, that word basically unleashed everything for this one word or for this message that we're going to hear. And so why don't, we, um, why don't we read the passage right now? So it says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? 
You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and, excuse me, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as we are. Do I have to? No, sorry. Okay. Elijah was a human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three, for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. So he, James talks about this, this power of prayer and then he talks about Elijah. And so we're going to go through every aspect. So the main key or the main ingredient to answered prayer is a life of righteousness. Verse 16 is what makes 13 to 15 possible. It says that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. If you're not righteous, you may not get those results that you're looking and asking for. And so we have to understand that God loves righteousness and he honors those who strive after it. We're going to be jumping around. So if you've got your Bibles, just get ready. If not, write these passages and you could go check them out later. But in Psalm 1, it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never, never wither and they prosper in all they do but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Psalm 15, 1 and 2, it says, who may worship in the sanctuary? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. If we go to Psalm 34, it says in verses 15 to 22, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. That is, that's powerful. If you don't do what God desires, he's going to erase your memory from the face of this earth. That's like, that's not light stuff where you're like, eh, I could tamper in it. It's okay. No, don't just don't do it. You need to stay close to the Lord. And that's not even what I'm talking about. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time for the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. 
Calamity will surely overtake the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will ever be condemned. Psalm 37, and we're going to just really quickly go to verse 25. Once I am young, now I am old. Yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. Guys, it is everywhere, and I'm not done. We're going to go to Proverbs. I'm sorry, but it's just good stuff. All right, Proverbs 15, 8 and 9, it says, The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but he delights in the prayer of the upright. The Lord detests the way of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue godliness. And then if we go to verse 29, it says, The Lord is not far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. If we go to Proverbs 3, so we're going back a few pages. It says, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many many years and your life will be satisfied. Never let your loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck and a remi- as a reminder. Write them deep in your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. These are just a few verses. I didn't even scratch the surface with what God has to say about us being righteous. Righteousness means that you that you know and you live by what God has said in his word. It means that we don't take pieces of scripture that make us feel good and leave the ones that might be a little bit harder to digest and swallow. It means that we have to take all of it. Alex came over this afternoon and I had already written out most of this and she said oh Shane and Shane just put up this post and it's from A.W. Tozer and it says we must not select a few favorite passages to the exclusion of others nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian guys it is about taking everything that's in here and applying it to our lives and living by it it's not just by taking one part that you say I really like this so I'm going to walk in just this passage because there are so many things that you're going to miss out on so many people think that they can tap into God whenever they'd like They can say, hey, God, I need you. But that's not how it works. If we don't have a true relationship with him, we can't be mystified as to why our prayers aren't answered. We can't question and say, God, I don't understand. Why aren't you answering my prayers? We can't live like the world 90% of the time and seek God 10% of the time and think that somehow, miraculously, good things are going to come our way. We can't seek God when disaster strikes, when sickness hits our family, when all of a sudden we're in need, when we need something desperately. And, and how many of you, be honest, how many of you know people or 
yourself has ever done that where all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I just crashed my car. I need God right now. God, God, help me. Send me a new car, Jesus. And he's like, where have you been for the last five years? I'm sorry. Am I a genie that you just rub me and like I have to all of a sudden be like, what are your three wishes, my son or my daughter? He is so not like that. And you know what the problem is? Is that today, everybody thinks that they want to focus on the fact that God is loving. God, God is gracious. We serve a loving and gracious God. And you know what? They're not wrong. He totally is loving and he is totally gracious. But he is just. And if we believe the lie that people are selling that well you could do anything and you oh don't don't worry you're dabbling in sin it's it's okay it's okay god loves you he does love you but but again there has to be a turning point justin said it tonight you have to change there has to be a 180 degree change in your life if you want to see things happen, you can't just turn it on and turn it off. We can't love both the world and God and think that we'll have the same power, faith, and favor of someone who is completely devoted to God. That is, um, it's a principle that goes against heaven and earth. How many of you here work? How many of you are in jobs or at school? You have to do some form of work. So you're either at a job or you're in school, okay? In your job, can you be lazy, do nothing, and expect to be promoted? No, right? You can't sit there while, while this guy or girl is like, what do you, you need? It? Okay, I got it. Well, okay, I'm, don't, don't worry, boss. I got it for you. I'm going to do it. What do you need? You need this stocked? Okay, I've got it. What, you need me to see this? Okay, I'll do it. While you're sitting here on Facebook, liking everything, and then you switch to Instagram, and then we go to our Snapchats. I know, I have kids. I do that sometimes when I'm nursing or when I'm playing, and I'm like, oh, I just need a break. I'll go, and I'll do that. If you're doing that at work, do you think your boss is going to be like, Justin, you've been so lazy and you do nothing for my company. Come here. I'm going to promote you to vice president. No. Maybe in some like delusional, technicolored world, perhaps. How many of you have friendships? How many of you maybe have relationships? If you were, well, friendships are relationships, but like marriage relationships or girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. How many of you think that you could treat the other person like garbage? Garbage. Oh, one, okay. Okay, well, we'll just, no, I just, I know. How many of you think that you could treat the other person like garbage, but then expect that they're going to come running with open arms loving you? It doesn't work like that. Spouses, I know there's a few in here. How many of you think that you could treat your husband or your wife like dirt and then expect intimacy at the end of the night? It doesn't work like that, right? It's not like you're going to be like, oh, 
<laughs> sure, honey. Let's, let's kiss and, and hug and do other things because you just treated me like, like, like scum on the floor. I really want to do that now. It doesn't work like, so why should our relationship with Jesus, why should our relationship with God be the same? Why wouldn't he want the same level of intimacy that we give our friends? Why wouldn't he want the same commitment that we give our bosses? He wants us to be righteous. Living righteously and according to God's word is integral. It is integral to a successful prayer life. In 1 Peter, let me just go back here. In 1 Peter 1, verses 14 and 16, it says, so clearly, no, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but, excuse me, now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God you chose, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says you must be holy because I am holy. In Second Peter, it says that we have been given everything, everything to live a godly life. And by everything, that's this. We have God's word. And if you know God's word, then you could live a godly life. But it's a choice. You need to choose. Yes, I want to be righteous. God, I want to be righteous. I want to live in right standing with you because I don't want to miss out on anything. And that brings me to my second point. In order to have an effective prayer or a, an effective prayer life or effective prayers, we need to know God's word. This whole thought process is a circle. So the last point that we're going to get to is faith. But if you think of it, if we know God's word, then we're going to desire to live holy and righteous lives. And that is going to produce faith. And it brings you around again. So we continue to know God's word. He continues to make us righteous. We continue to build our faith. And it just gets bigger and it grows stronger and stronger. If you take this and you read it once a year, how effective do you think you could make your righteous life be? If you're like, oh, I know one verse, and let's, let's do a verse that everyone knew. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish and have eternal life. Great. Okay. But that's all you know. So you'll know how to have salvation, but you won't know how to have a wonderful life between salvation and Jesus' return. There is so much in, in between that you could tap into for right now. God doesn't desire that we just live lives from day to day trying to get by, scraping, saying, Jesus, help me. He wants us to live successful lives. He wants to bless us. He wants us to just walk in favor in his promises. We can speak the word in our prayer. We can declare his promises. When you know what's in there, all of a sudden, your prayer life changes. It's not anymore like, dear Jesus, thank you, God. 
because um, you're great. And um, you sent your son, and I have salvation and eternal life. All right, the end. All of a sudden, when your family is sick, you can, you'll know it. You're going to be like, Jesus, your word said that if I go to the elders of the church and I am anointed with oil, I will be healed. So I am claiming that right now in Jesus' name. I know that if I pray for my children and I raise them up, they are not going to depart because God's word is in them. I know that if I follow this, all of a sudden, your prayers are so different. Your prayers aren't just these like level, as my mom used to say, that prayer just hit the ceiling and fell back down. That did not go to heaven. That's what she would tell us when, like, we weren't really praying anything. We're like, God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for this food. Amen. All right. Go, God. Um, and all of a sudden, it's like our prayers could be powerful. James says it. Power and effective. Um, okay, so I did a little something. How many promises do you think are in the Bible? A lot. Okay. Any guesses? A thousand? Okay. Well, there are 3,000. Now, this is according to a Google web search. <laughs> so there might be more. I don't know. I've never counted them fully. But according to this source, it said, and it was like, you know, I love the Bible. No, I don't know what the source <laughs> I actually didn't look. But it said there are 3,000 573 promises, okay? Now, I did the math, and I didn't do much math, but I divided that by 365 days. If we prayed one promise every day, we would have promises to last us nine and a half years. And then we could start all over again. And that's if you do one a day. I mean, if you want to do more, you can. And just keep going. Could you imagine, though, if, if we knew our word so well that every day we could pray a new promise over our lives. God, you promised me this. God, you promised blessing here. God, you promised that you would protect. God, you promised that you would walk with me. God, you promised that fear would be cast out. God, you promised that I would have nothing to worry about. Oh, she's so cute. Oh. <laughs> she's so cute. Oh. All right. Knowing God's word produces a fountain of hope in you. Now, if you think about a fountain, all right, um, where... Where I lived b back in Montreal, um, people really into landscaping, like big time. I haven't seen it much here yet. I don't know. I haven't really driven around, I guess, many places. But um, a lot of people had fountains. And a fountain is constantly bubbling over, right? It's constant. It's continual. If we allow God's word to produce hope, produce that fountain, all of a sudden we've got this fresh water flowing through us continually. It never stops. And, and that hope 
it just produces this, this endurance, this, this drive to keep going. And that's biblical. It's, it's God knows that, that that's what we need. But the second we turn it off, the second we're like, all right, you know, I just, I just need a break, God, from you. Thanks. I had enough for this week. I just, I just want to shut you off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my Bible on my nightstand. It's going to collect a little bit of dust. But I, will, I'll, I, I promise I'm going to get back to you. I can guarantee that from the moment you shut that word and you started walking in the ways of the world and you started dabbling with sin again and you started allowing the enemy to whisper lies into your ear, that hope that was bubbling, that was giving you this, yeah, I'm gonna, I've got this. I'm going to do incredible things for the kingdom of God. God has a plan for me. He is going to use me. I'm going to change this world through the power of Jesus in me. All of a sudden is, God, who cares? Who cares if I'm dabbling in a little bit of drinking and smoking? Who cares if I'm going to shows that are purely demonic, that I should not be entering in to my mind and my heart. I shouldn't be allowing in. Who cares if I dabble with some pornography? Who cares, who cares if, I, if I'm with somebody who doesn't know you and we start having sex before we're married? Even though your word says, don't be unequally yoked. Even though your word says, don't do certain things as a protection. Even though your word has all of these things for my good, God, I'm going to put them aside and I'm just going, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be here for a little bit. I bet that, that anxiety, fear, loneliness, depression, worry, and all the other bad things that you could think of will probably rise up again within you. And all of a sudden, you're trapped. All of a sudden, you're verse one of that song. Are you lonely? Are you, are you feeling that you're just weighed down by your sin? And that's where God's word calls to us. Jesus is calling us. We need to know his word because his word produces life. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. How many times have you been asked, can you pray for me? Could you just pray for me? I get asked that a lot, which I don't mind. I love praying, so it doesn't bother me. I'm not saying this as a, don't come up to me anymore and ask me for prayer. No. Um, I, I do. I enjoy, I enjoy praying for people. And I think that's one thing that as a mom, I'm home with the kids. People come and they talk and they share. And all day as I'm doing things, as, as people come into my mind, I'm praying, God, lift them up. God, touch them. God, encourage them. God, make a way in this situation. And it's okay to ask people for prayer. But when you know God's word, 
you know that if you're suffering hardships, that you should pray. Me, I should pray. And my prayer is just as powerful as if I asked every one of you in this room, hey, could you pray for me? Could you pray for me? Could you pray for me? Could you, could you? I could go home and say, God, I know what your word says. I know that right now things are tough. Right now I'm going through some hardships. But God, I know that your word says that I should pray because when I pray, it produces faith in me. When I pray, you hear me and you'll answer. When, when you're happy, sing praises. When God does something, or, or if you're just, you're just happy, happiness is something that we feel on a regular basis, right? So sing praises, God, thank you. Thank you, God, that you saved me. Thank you that you're my father, that you sent Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Sing his praises. When we know what God's word says, we know that we don't have to have hundreds of people praying for us, but we can look at our situation, lift it up on our own, knowing that it's powerful and will produce wonderful results. It's not always easy to pray for yourself. And I think that sometimes, when, especially when people are at different points in their walks with the Lord, it's easier to say, can you pray for me right now? Because it's, I'm going through something. Or could you pray for this situation? But praying for themselves, sometimes it's, it's hard. And I know, sometimes it's hard. After I had Judah, um, it was, I think spiritually, it was just really tough. I was, I was adjusting. I, I had thought I was going to have, you know, a natural delivery, ended up having a C-section. It was horrible. I was swollen. Like I was just, you know, your body changes after pregnancy. It's just like, oh, and there's hormones, and it's a wonderful thing. I'm not painting a good picture, but it's, it's a really beautiful thing. But like that initial of just like, ah, it's overwhelming. Mama, you could attest to that, right? Like it's sometimes like just, and, and honestly, God's word was hard. It was hard for me to sit and read and pray for myself. And thank God for my husband. Guys, if, those who are single, make sure that who you choose is godly. Make sure that you guys are at the same level. If not, one is more. Because those nights that I was just not able to pray for myself, sometimes I'd wake up in the middle of the night. And like, it's just, I'm just so thankful for the husband that I have, because I would hear him literally just, just praying so silently, but he would be, his hand would be on me, and he'd go, Jesus, Jesus, touch her, just encourage her, Jesus, like, break that joy, and it's not that I didn't have joy, I loved my son, he's awesome, but there are times where you're going to go through things where it's tough, and that's where you can always pray God's word. 
Even when you don't have the words to speak, even when you don't know what to say, when you're physically feeling unable to open your mouth, you could pray God's word. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me beside still waters. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he's with me. Right there is a prayer. Right there is something that will encourage you to say, God, yes, thank you, Jesus. You could get me through. I know, I know, because this, this is like, like healing balm to my soul. If you don't know how to pray, or what to pray, start reading the Bible. Start praying it. And I'm going to give you an acronym, and it's an easy one. It's ACTS, okay? But again, there are so many believers who pray very weak and powerless prayers. And I'm not, I'm not, judging i'm not but we can bring our prayer life from here to here and just in these four acronyms they're this little acronym okay so a and hold on before i do that a lot of times when we pray we go straight to what we need god thank you god for this day thank you god for who you are god I need this. God, I pray that you would do this in my life, that you would do this in my family, that you would do this. And we like vomit all of our prayer requests on Jesus. And we're like, hey, like this is what I need. Thank you, God. Amen. And you're done. But when we pray, before we do anything, in fact, before we give any of our requests, the first thing we need to do is we need to give God adoration. God, I love you. You are beautiful, Lord Jesus. You are the lily of the valley. You're the bright and morning star. You are the lion of the tribe of Judah. You are majestic in all your ways, and there is no one who compares to you. God, right now, I see, I confess if there is any wickedness in me, God, I pray that you would remove it. God, if there is sin that is hindering my walk with you, God, I pray that you would take it away, that you would wash me white as snow, that, Father, I would be pure in your sight, that I would have clean hands and a pure heart, that I would be found blameless before you, God. And Lord, if there is anything in me, God, I pray that you would reveal it. If there is unforgiveness, show me, God. If I need to make a situation right, show me. and Give me the strength to do it. Because a lot of times we know we need to go and speak to somebody, and it's hard. It is hard going up. And I know because I say stupid things sometimes. And pregnancy, oh gosh, I said a lot of stupid things. It's like my brain stopped working for a little bit. But I'm not pregnant now. So thank God I can think again. <laughs> 
<laughs> but sometimes I had to go and ask for forgiveness and say, I'm sorry, I was, I was out of line. I shouldn't have spoke that way. I shouldn't have said this. And it's hard. It is hard asking for forgiveness. But it's a beautiful thing. And we're going to talk about forgiveness for just a brief second. The next thing is thanksgiving. God, thank you. Thank you for my my house. Thank you for my family. Thank you that we have heat when it's cold. You start thanking God, like bombard him with thanks. God, thank you that I have breath in my lungs, that God, I could take a full breath and I don't need oxygen to breathe. That God, that I have blood cells that are healthy and whole. God, I thank you that I have a mind that functions, that I could see, that I could hear, that I could smell and taste, that I could walk on two feet, that I have hands to feel, arms to embrace. God, thank you. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my family. Thank you, God, for my church. Thank you that I could come into your presence and I could worship you freely here in the United States of America and in Canada. But you know what? We have to be careful because even that sometimes, we take advantage of our freedom that we could, we could just worship. Thank God for all of these things. And then lastly, S, give your supplications to him. God, now I just come with a heavy heart because this person just shared that his uncle has cancer. God, I pray that you would touch him. But God, I pray that you would use this person to speak hope into their uncle, into their coworker. That God, you would give them words that they would come to know you. God, I pray for my finances. God, I pray for my children. I pray that you would protect them, that you would keep them safe, that you would hide them under the shadow of your wing. God, I give you my requests. It's at that point that we do. And I don't even know. I think one of my youth pastors gave this to us years ago or a friend. But it's something that I always remembered. I'm mindful. Because when we pray, even just among us, and I'm going to challenge small groups, when you pray, go through that. Don't just be, you know, I'm shy. I've never prayed before. You could be shy and still say, God, you're awesome. God, if there's anything in us tonight that shouldn't be here, remove it. God, you're great. And I thank you for this small group. God, I pray that you would hear. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be a 30-minute, oh, Jesus, thou art, and though thou art doesn't have to be long and fancy, but it could be powerful. It could be powerful. And if you want to pray fancy, you can. My final point is that when you know God's word and you live righteously, faith will automatically be produced. And it's like this beautiful springtime scene where We've gone through this harsh winter, but underneath all that snow and the cold and the frost, there's these beautiful little buds that are starting to pop out of the ground. Our lilac tree is 
light green with these pretty little buds that are soon going to be lilacs that are going to smell glorious. Um, there's no question as to whether God wants, wants to or can, but that he will. He will. And so if we go back to our verses, it says, are you suffering? You should pray. Are you happy? You should sing. Are you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and anoint you um, in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will, not may or can or potentially, but it will heal the sick. And the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed sin, you will be forgiven. I just want to take a little side note. I'm, I wasn't going to at this point, but it's not a part of this message, but it is. Forgiveness and healing go hand in hand. So many times people, and this could be a discussion all in itself, but they wonder why healing doesn't happen. And a lot of times it's easier to blame God than to look at ourselves. Am I living, am I living righteously? Am I doing these things? Am I ask, doing the way that he's called us to do? But unforgiveness is particularly something that unlocks a healing aspect. And that's in the Gospels where we see it. But if you harbor unforgiveness, there's going to be some things that happen. You, you won't see the results. Forgiveness is so key. But faith. You might be saying, but I've been praying and praying and praying, and I don't have unforgiveness in my heart. Just keep praying and keep trusting. Let that faith just continue to rise and swell and grow. Because God is, it says he will. He will answer. And so I have to stand on that. I have to stand firm on that. When my kids are coughing, forget it. I'm like, Jesus, it's a cold. And I'm like, no, no, sickness can't come. I start rebuking the devil. I start like, I start, you know, praying in tongues. I'm like, no, 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 Jesus. You, your word says that we're going to be covered. We're going to be healed then I am calling that right now, touch, heal, even if it's a little cold. I don't care. I told Justin the other day, I'm like, you're an elder. Come over here, anoint our children with oil. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have to go see Pastor Gary. It's right here. Um, and he did. I gave him olive oil. Anoint your children. Anoint them and pray for them constantly. Bring your request to the Lord. Ask God to touch you and to heal you, and, and he will. Romans, um, Romans 1, 17, it says, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life, and that's faith in Jesus Christ. We must live as citizens of heaven, conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ, Philippians 1.27. Faith propels us. It doesn't just, you know, like lightly move you. 
That's probably Judah screaming over there. He, he's got a set of lungs. Um, I'm going to ignore it. Um, but faith propels us. When you think of a propeller, what does it do? It shoots, right? If you've ever been standing, I don't know if anybody could stand in front of a propeller, like of a plane or something, the engine, you know. When it propels, you'll be knocked off your feet. Faith does that. It propels us forward knowing that this world is temporal, but that life eternal awaits us. And that's beautiful. Hebrews, Hebrews 11, the famous faith, says faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned good reputations. So as we develop a deeper faith, because there's like two faiths. There's faith in Christ. I believe in Jesus. But as we develop that belief in Christ, he gives us faith that what he said is true. <laughs> She's cute. So as we develop this deeper faith in Christ, we'll develop a deeper faith that what he says will actually happen. And so let's look at that last verse, the very last verse in James. It says, Elijah was a human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly, there was no rain, uh, that no rain would fall. None fell for three and a half years. Could you imagine? God shut the heavens now. And for three and a half years, nothing fell. It would be like living in California. And then all of a sudden, he says, God, Open up the heavens and rain. Could you imagine that kind of powerful prayer? And the reason why Elijah could pray and ask that the sky would not produce rain and then pray again that it would is because he was a holy and righteous man. Therefore, he could pray a faith-filled prayer and know that God would respond. There was nothing different about Elijah. James says it. Nothing. He was a man. He was human like we are. Yet, when he prayed, watch out. So how does this all relate? To everything for the sake of one. Justin kept telling me, remember that you've got to like everything for the sake of one. Everything for the sake of, okay, how are you going to, and I'm like, Leave me alone. I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> and as I was finishing my notes, I did. First, before you can reach one person, you need yourself to have a relationship with Christ. Me, you. You have to choose for yourself, I want to be with the Lord. I, I choose to have a relationship with him. Second, you need to want a closer relationship with Jesus. And this is very key. You can't be ashamed. If you're ashamed of, of Jesus and the gospel, then nobody, nobody is going to be like, yeah, I want what you have. Oh, yeah, yes. He hides it. He hides it. But I know that somewhere in there, there's, there's love for Jesus maybe. It doesn't work like that. If people don't see that you're completely head over heels devoted, they won't want what you have. 
Have you ever had someone describe something? You know how there's some people who are just so eloquent in their speech? So, okay, how many people like dessert? Okay, so you're a dessert person. All right, so if I were to say, yesterday I made this decadent chocolate square brownie, and on top of it I put this warm vanilla ice cream that just melted as it touched the brownie, and then I put some salted caramel over top, and as I took that spoon and I put it to my lips, it was just like heaven in my mouth. Does anybody want a chocolate brownie with vanilla ice cream and salted caramel? <laughs> okay. Now, could you imagine if, if when you spoke to the one, if you spoke to a friend or a family member, someone on the street, could you imagine if, hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Hey, I'm good. I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about how he changed my life. I want to tell you how I was hurting, how I was walking in a way down a path that I should not have been going. But Jesus, he took me by the hand and he brought me to a new place where now I'm happy all the time. Like I have days where, you know, maybe I'm a little off, but like Jesus he put so much joy in my heart. He has done an incredible thing. Do you know, I, I was struggling with this, but he turned me around. I don't, I don't even want it anymore. I used to, I used to be addicted to, to whatever, drugs, alcohol, food, smoking, whatever it is, pornography. But God took me. He brought me to a new place where I am so fulfilled in him. You need to know him. And if you don't want to right now, I get it. But I promise you that that person is probably going to go home and think and think and think, you know what? Man, I messed up. <laughs> I need some of that. Last week we were, we were at Sally's. So my hairdryer a few weeks ago, um, it blew up on me <laughs> and it burnt my stomach and it completely severed. So I didn't have a blow dryer for two weeks. Now, there are some people who when their hair dries out of the shower, it's really pretty. It's either like perfectly straight or it waves just like it just looks like, oh, I just came back from the salon. My hair doesn't do that. It like goes in one direction it's a little like frizzy over here. It just does not look good. So I need a blow dryer and I need a powerful one. So I bought one and I should have known when they offered a blow dryer and a straightener, buy one, get one free, that it probably wasn't the best quality, but I tried. And after it took me like 40 minutes to blow dry my hair on a Sunday morning and we were late, I said, okay, I need something more powerful. We went to Sally's, and I'm returning this blow dryer, and this guy literally starts telling Alex, me and Alex, his like whole life story. 
and how he just moved here from Wisconsin and how he was telling us about all his hair issues, about how he burnt it, had to shave it, then he did this, then he did that, furniture repairing. And he literally just like kept going to the point that the store was filling up and we're standing there and I'm like, I just want like my refund, but I'll listen to you. And a lady says, excuse me, can you help us? Like, please, I don't want to be here long. And when he came back, we're like, you need to come to church. Why he wanted to talk and chat and discuss, I don't know. It happens often, though. We go places and people just want to tell us stuff. So we said, you know what? We call it shopping evangelism, where we're just going to have a card handy anytime and say, hey, guys, why don't you, why don't you come? Why don't you check us out? And that's, that's what's going to produce a change. We need to want him so much that people see it. And I promise you, when that happens in your life, when you say, I'm not ashamed, I, I don't care. I don't care what people think. That one, all of a sudden, is going to be like, hey, Steph, you're so consistent in your walk. I see it. I see that you keep going. I want, I need that. And all of a sudden, people are going to start coming. And I, I don't doubt, I don't doubt that this young adults group is going to multiply and multiply. And we're going to get to a point where we're no longer able to fit in this capacity we're going to be over there. We're going to have a sanctuary full. We're going to have a worship team that is no longer just for people. We're going to have people wanting to use their talents for the Lord. And it's going to just explode. Be expecting it. Be expecting it because it's going to happen. And the third thing is that we need to remember that this is just a temporary place. Guys, we're not staying here. We're not going to remain on this earth. I, I think Justin said it on Sunday that if we were to paint, Francis Chan said that if you painted a rope and you paint, dipped it in red paint and then you started pulling the rope and you kept pulling and pulling and pulling, that's what our life is in eternity. And I'm recognizing that so much. My grandfather is going to be 91 and we went to visit him and I came back and I was like, Justin, I feel like he was just 60. Like, where did time go? And I think that as we get older, doesn't it get go by faster and faster and faster? Or you're like, my kid's going to be two. What? I just had him like not long ago. How is this possible? It just goes by fast. And you know what the thing is? is that there's going to be a time where we're going to be judged. Heaven is real just as much as hell. And I don't know about you guys, but I want to be in heaven, and I don't want to just get in by the, by the skin of my teeth. I don't want to just get in and be like, whew, made that. I want to get in and rejoice and say, God, you know what? I, I, yeah, somebody... This Dan Betzer, he preached a service once. 
I think it was Dan Betzer, yeah. And he said, I could imagine that when we get to heaven, there's going to be people who bring boxes. And they're like, God, this is what I did. Here's one box. And God's going to be like, that's great. Then there's going to be other people who brought five boxes. He's like, I could just imagine the Apostle Paul. Here you go, God. Hold on, hold on. There's another shipment coming in. Wait, wait, there's still more. I don't want to just have an envelope that I'm giving to the Lord. Here you go, God. Here's what I brought for you. I want to know that I did everything I could to live righteously, that I could tap into the promises of God, that I could live by faith, and that I could bring people to know Jesus. That's what I want. And as I get older, I care less and less and less about what people think and more and more and more about what God thinks. I don't care if I don't know the newest song on the radio. I don't care if I'm up to date with certain shows that I could talk about. I don't care if, I don't care if, if I'm not dressed Okay, I care a little bit about if I'm not dressed according to fashion because I won't lie, I just got a new style watch and I was like, ah, and an in-style and like, oh my gosh, I've been wearing pregnancy clothes far too long. But I want to care more and more about God. Before I close though, I pray that this week as you go home, again, I don't know where we're all at and I don't, I pray that this message wasn't one that leaves you feeling like, ugh, I'm such a horrible person. As much as I hope it leaves you feeling, God, I want to do more. I, I, I want to know your word better. I, I want to have a deeper faith. I want to I bring more people to know who you are because, God, Jesus is coming back soon. And not only do I want to be ready, but I want to see a lot of people going up with me and you guys. So let's just pray. We hope that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more about 242, you can email Pastor Justin at jcorkum at manchesterassembly.org. You can also tweet us at 242NH. Again, that's T-W-O-42-N-H. Or on Facebook, you can look us up under 242 Young Adults. We look forward to your feedback, and we'll see you next time.